Are you nervous? Yeah. What are you nervous about? Uh, I'm just not as spunky as Brayden. And his podcast is probably going to get so many more hits than mine. I am the least spunky person on planet Earth. Uh, that's not true. No, serious. There's like sponges that are spunkier than I am. SpongeBob SquarePants? Square pants? Yeah, but now that I think about it, sponges are squishy and they're like probably the most spunky of the cleaning tools. Probably. So <clears throat> I'll introduce everyone who listens to you because this is Colin. He's my youngest brother. He is six years younger than I am. So you're 21 right now? Yep, 21. Wow. How does that feel? Feels like I'm still 14. What was uh, your first taste of alcohol like? Um, well, you were there, so you probably know what it was like. <laughs> you yeah. gave it to me. That was like five years ago. <laughs> no, Colin is my uh, most, well, I wouldn't say anymore, but you were the most fiery, like, you just had something in you, this rage that you've been able to harness and control. Because when Colin... I wish I had it back. Because what? I wish I had it back. No, it's better not having it. <laughs> because now everyone likes being around you. You used to, if I, would, if I would make you mad, which was unbelievably easy to make you mad when you were younger, you would run up the wall, backflip over me, land on my shoulders and be clawing my eyes out before I knew what had happened. Yeah, I could do crazy things. And you and Brayden <clears throat> and Dax would tease me to the point of where I would try to beat you up and I was so little it just wouldn't hurt. And you guys would just throw me across the room and beat the crap out of me. <laughs> but I didn't feel any of it because I had that rage. I'm pretty sure you have that mixed up. I think you and Brayden would tease me that I would try to beat you guys up and you were throwing me across the room. Uh -huh. Pretty sure there's still a hole in the wall where my head hit. You mean when you punched it because BYU lost? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I used to care about BYU. I cannot believe I ever wasted my time doing that. Uh -huh. Colin was also the person who, when he was younger, he would be like eating a bowl of cereal and it would spill the milk. And I'm like, in the other room watching TV and he goes, Devin, what the crap? Look, look what you made me do. I'm like, what the? I didn't do anything. See, I don't know how true that is, but my wife, Sav, says I still do that. So there must be some truth to it. But mom always says, like, I would spill the milk and I would blame it on her. But I'm like, it was your fault because I was two years old and you were making me pour my own bowl of cereal. I'm like, hey, mom. Will you help me pour my bowl of cereal? She's like, yeah, just go pick up that really heavy gallon of milk and pour it yourself. And I would end up spilling it. Like, that's what happens when you make me pour my own milk. Yeah, that's why she is still to this day pouring your milk, our mom. <laughs> yeah, you were really, really sensitive as a little kid because I remember I could make you cry without really even trying. I would just say, go, go take your pills, Colin. You are just saying I was adopted or go take your pills. Just for <laughs> listeners, I have way bad ADD, but so does everyone else in my family. 
And my, for some reason, my mom put me on these crazy drugs when I was in elementary school <laughs> to help with my ADD. And they just made me a little sissy. They made me super sensitive. Yeah, and then were- Devin, I remember years later, he had to get pills for ADD. And then I would try to do the same thing and say, go take your pills. And it wouldn't affect him in the same way because he's heartless. <laughs> now, yours were more rude. Mine was just to try to be funny and make you cry. You were like really trying to hurt my feelings. Yeah, I was really sensitive. I remember one time, Brayden and JT, I think maybe you were there, but I was just watching TV in the TV room. I was maybe like, I was maybe like 10 or 9. And you guys came in and just started pointing at me and started saying, oh, are you blushing? So, of course, I just started to blush. And it was making me so uncomfortable because you guys saying, oh, he's blushing. And then they started going, you guys started saying, oh, are you going to cry? And it just made me start crying. Oh, if somebody did that to me, even today, came up to me and just said, are you about to cry? You look like you're going to cry. I would start crying. And I'm pretty stable. Well, Actually, I'm pretty unstable. Just emotionally. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah, you used to be, you're really, really good at it. You've just honed in your rage. And you're very calm now. Calm as a cucumber. I know. I, so when I first broke my neck and got in the chair, I still had the rage at that point when I was 14. Mm-hmm. And then the just not being able to move and run and punch stuff and hit things because my hands didn't work either. <laughs> so it would just make me more frustrated. So I'd be mad. I'd go to like punch something and then I would fall over and almost fall out of my chair and then get even more frustrated. Oh, uh, I just yeah. had to calm down. Yeah, that sounds like a loop of rage. Yeah. Colin was also uh, my most active brother and let's say you're the most naturally gifted like athletics wise you're a great soccer player you were good at skiing you um were great on the trampoline colin would literally line up like i swear a 20 foot ladder next to the tramp jump off the very top so he could bounce higher to do more flips he would do double front flips double back flips and i'm i'm like afraid to just climb the ladder period and he's jumping off doing all these crazy tricks you weren't just satisfied with like jumping and doing tricks you had to go get a ladder i was adrenaline junkie but speaking of trampolines do you remember the one time when um when the waterfalls in the backyard were being built and there was a huge so they dug a huge trench by the trampoline okay and you were there with me i tried to jump over it and i slipped and hit my head on the rock and fell into the ditch. You don't remember this? Mm-mm. You helped me out. And then you, we went into the kitchen and you pinched my wound, my gash in my forehead, and waited for dad to get home to super glue it. Wow, that sounds like me. I'm very uh, <clears throat> caring like that. It's true. And do you remember one time I caught the blisters on fire? No. Oh, yeah, and I had to get the fire extinguisher. Uh-huh. I remember I was out there. I think I started with a magnifying glass. And or like I had I was like, oh gosh, I started a fire. So I started blowing on it, like, oh, I'll blow it out. And it just got bigger. And I thought, oh, there, I don't have any water. So I started spitting on it. 
I was, I don't know. I was probably like six, maybe five. Mm, I think you were pretending to smoke like cigarettes. Like you got paper and were rolling it up or pretending to smoke and then threw that on fire paper into the bushes and they caught on fire and you come into me. I'm like, Oh hell now I got to solve this problem. And I did. Wow. I am so helpful and resourceful. Thank goodness you were in the kitchen though. Cause I don't think anyone else was home. <laughs> yeah. And then we would have come home to a burnt down house with you spitting on the fire, trying to put it out. Mm-hmm. And it probably would have been your fault. Oh, <laughs> uh, so I hope this gives like a good, to our listeners, a good background of, into Colin's personality because then in August of 2013, after I had been married for a week, a week, Colin broke his neck. And if I can get through this without getting emotional, it will be amazing. Which is funny because I don't like I don't like the tone of my podcast to be serious because I think people take themselves too seriously. But it was a pretty traumatic experience. And I wanted to give you the opportunity to tell people what that was like from your perspective, because you I, I, I don't think your paralysis defines you or anything, but it was a pretty traumatic experience that happened to you and has affected the rest of your life. And so it's good to talk about and a lot of people don't know how to approach people in wheelchairs or, or talk to them. And so I wanted to kind of give our audience a chance to see what it's like from your point of view. So why don't you tell them, tell us about that night and what happened of how you broke your neck. Okay. So like Devin said, it was, I think, yeah, August 30th. So like a week or two after Devin got married, um, I, it was also my first week of high school, freshman year, 14 years old. Um, I went to Timothy High School, went to first football game of the season, and um, after we won, so afterwards we were have, there was a party at uh, one of my friend's house. So I went over to that, and then um, with my friends Max and Brig um, on, do you remember JT's little scooter he had? Yes, the Vespa. <clears throat> Yeah, so Max was driving that with me and Brig on it. Mm, you were asking. crouched in the middle, middle spot. So we drove up there, and then Max got tired and wanted to go home. So he left, and I just stayed because I liked to party. And there were a lot of cute girls. So then I went to – and another kid said, hey, we're throwing a more, like, a fun party, more girls. So I go to that. Two parties? Two parties. Wow, that's like two more parties than I've been to in my whole life. Probably. Um, but yeah, so we went up there and everyone was hanging out. There was a trampoline and everyone was jumping on it. I and me, I was also a total show off. Um, so I got on the trampoline to do my tricks. I was doing tricks and uh, there were other kids there that were jumping on the tramp that were good and we'd take turns and kind of like push each other, like, oh, do this trick, do this trick. And they said, do a double backflip. I said, okay. Easy, done it a million times. So I go and I'm jumping, and it's probably 10:30, so it's it's dark, you know. And it was fall, I believe, so it was gets darker early. Go up, and it's weird. I kind of had a feeling like it wasn't gonna work out. Super weird feeling. Um, 
go, I thought I just did one backflip and I said, okay, I'm not gonna be able to make a second, so I'll just land and just do one. But I opened up and I was upside down. You know, sky is black, trampoline is black. I couldn't tell what's up or down. And just landed on my head and broke my neck. Felt like the wind got knocked out of me. Um, and I just hear everyone go, oh my gosh, oh, like scream. Are you okay? And I didn't know I had broken my neck at this point. Just felt like I got the wind knocked out of me. Mm-hmm. So I just said, yeah, just give me a minute. Got the wind knocked out of me. And then I must have like blacked out. Because I say now they're like, come on, get off the tramp already. I'm like, I'm, I can't. I was like, someone touch my leg, touch my leg. And um, I think I was closing my eyes. They go, open your eyes. We are touching your legs. And I like looked down and I thought I was laying perfectly straight, but I was kind of like in a di- like weird crooked position. And I was like, oh my gosh, just the scariest feeling of me that hit my heart. Like, not like, not like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. But it was, I knew something was wrong. I thought I'd like broken my back and just the, my first thoughts were, like you said, I was super active. I said, how am I ever going to be able to ski again? Am I ever going to be able to play soccer or play football? Because that is my life. That's what I identified with. Uh, all these things. And so those were my first thoughts. And then um, one of my friends actually came over and, you know, because no one wants to believe their friends are actually hurt. And I was a jokester as well. So he came and tried to drag me off the trampoline, which is very, very bad and probably could have killed me. Yeah, it may have been the worst thing he could have done. I mean, he wasn't thinking, you know, but. I know. And it's not his fault. But, yeah, so this is just kind of the process. It moved me. I didn't know. I was just kind of limp, super scared. I tried calling Ethan, um, our other brother, uh, like a million times, but I was using uh, our other friend Colby McLean's phone. And he just thought Colby was calling him to hang out and he didn't want to hang out with him. So he wouldn't answer. So after like the 20th call, Ethan answers and goes, what? (laughs) And I go, and I'm like, Ethan, this is Colin. I'm really scared. I I hurt myself on the trampoline. I can't feel my legs. I can't move. And he goes, are you kidding me? And I'm like, no, I'm scared. He goes, are you serious? Okay. Where are you? And he comes up and mom and Gary and Jody, mom and dad come up. Um, And then, but it took, I was probably laying on the trampoline before an ambulance got there for probably 45 minutes at least. That's good to, I I, I should point out too to our listeners that Ethan, (laughs) teenage Ethan, who was ignoring these calls and bugged, he had to come help his brother, was such a punk ass. So... He's just a regular teenager, but now he's a sweetheart and probably would rush up there in a heartbeat. But so as I'm laying there, I just, I have no, I'm just terrified. Just like the worst feeling, overwhelmed. I'm not in any pain because I'm in shock. And Uh, broken. Yeah, and because I can't feel because I'm paralyzed. (laughs) No, but so ambulance get there, he comes, they cut off all my clothes. They cut off my favorite pair of pants. Which I'm like, oh, this I broke my neck, not my leg. Come on. <laughs> that sounds like my wedding night. <laughs> and every night thereafter. Your prayers. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt your story. Yeah, okay. 
need some comic relief throughout. And I tell stories like mom, like I have to tell every little detail. I'm sorry. Sounds great. So ambulance comes, they cut my clothes off, take me away in the ambulance. Um, as I'm in there, they go, you know, they say, does your neck hurt? And I say, no. And then I think about it for a minute. And then that's when the pain kicked in. Just the most excruciating pain hurt so bad. I couldn't even cry. I couldn't scream. I couldn't breathe hard because just the raising of my chest and my diaphragm muscles that help you breathe were paralyzed. So I just kind of was stuck in my own head with just the most excruciating pain I've ever been in because my neck is still broken. And I don't, it's hard because I can't show a visual of how it was broken, but your spine is stacked on top of each other. Uh, it came unstacked and then we're like overlapping each other. Mm -hmm. So it was stuck and there was just a lot of pressure and all the muscles on my neck tore. Um, and then they say, okay, just, um, you know, you're in so much pain. Let us know if you get nauseous. <laughs> and I say, hey, I'm, I'm okay. I'm not nauseous. And I think about it for a minute and I start puking. Um, but I'm on a stretcher with a neck brace, and my head strapped in. And so it's just going back onto my own face. Oh gosh. That's like the worst part of the story. For real. And then I tip over and I'm like puking on my guy. I'm like, I'm so sorry. It's okay. And then the rest is kind of a blur. You know, I don't, I don't want to get too much, too much of the details because I was just so drugged up. And no, that's I do great. remember, I right. do remember they put um, traction on my neck. So they put drilled screws into my side of my head, into my skull and put weights off to, you know, set my bone. Yeah, it's called the head, right? Yeah, halo. And that might seem like the worst thing ever is I'm slowly screwing something into your skull. Because you're awake for this while they're screwing into your skull. Yes. Wow. Um, the sound was gross. They put, they numbed me up. So, I mean, and I was distracted of my neck hurting. Mm. Um, yeah, when they hung that weight on my neck, I could breathe again. I felt like a million bucks. Uh, I had, I, you know, I eventually had to get life lighted to primary children's, get surgery. Um, I didn't know I had surgery. Until Where did I you break your neck? So you have like three levels in your spine, like cervical, thoracic, and lumbar. Mm -hmm. uh, I broke my cervical, um, which is your neck, um, C6 and 7, just the 6 and 7 vertebrae is where I broke it up. Uh, and that's like the most common, really. Um, but so I had surgery. Um, uh, let's see where I want to go from here. You know what this, sorry, I don't want to distract from this, but you know what this story kind of is reminding me of? Hmm. And not to take away from the seriousness of your story, but the other night I had just finished going to the bathroom and I was, I was walking back to get in my bed and I bonked my shim on the edge of my bed and I thought, I thought I was going to die. And it took forever for the ambulance to get there. And Gracie didn't even wake up. But, oh my gosh, I'm sure I blacked out because I woke up the next morning fine. But in that moment, it was like, it was the worst thing. I know how you feel. Yeah, it's kind of similar to your story. Very similar. Okay, yeah, I'll get on with it. Um, anyway, I had trouble breathing. Uh, couldn't breathe for like a week. Um, Why couldn't you breathe again? 
because so they did the surgery and they put like a pickling into my neck just in case I had any internal bleeding in there um, and they took it out too early or too rough and it hurt really bad mm. and so I had internal bleeding in basically going into my air pipe because they do the surgery they cut into the front of my neck and basically just push my esophagus my windpipe and push everything out of the way and get to my spine that way yeah uh, oh yeah they go so through the front of your, they go sorry the surgery is through the front of your neck to get to the back of your spinal cord yeah which your spinal cord was not severed by the way right that's important that everyone knows because your spinal cord is is very sensitive yours is only bruised right yeah technically i mean the way they kind of tell is um yeah it's bruised it's scarred is what they like to say um so severing it it would be completely severed but like cut through mm -hmm. there's no chance of any sort of recovery or you gaining anything back and so that's why mine is what they would say incomplete injury, which is partially damaged. You could gain something. So like a lot of people will break their neck and then be paralyzed because of swelling yeah. in their spinal cord. And then after, you know, it can take a year for the swelling in your spinal cord to go down. Mm -hmm. After a year, they'll gain, gain more you know, mobility. And that's kind of the case with me is, I gained more back um, and I am super lucky. Um, okay, you're technically a quad, right? Yes, I'm a quadriplegic, which is four limbs are impaired. And most people that had, have had, have had my same level of injury, you know, they don't have any triceps or a ha any hand function. So they're basically just vegetables. They can't do much other than speak. Yeah, but you have, you have full mobility of your arms. Um, yeah shoulders your hands are a little messed up but but yeah i mean that's a huge blessing within your injury that it's not as bad as it could have been yes yeah it's kind of so yeah so um i did my therapy at the hospital and was able to come home after two two and a half months you were in the hospital um, for two and a half months yeah I mean, I, I remember it, but it's just, that seems so long. That's crazy. Cause I remember, I'll tell a little bit from my point of view, because the night it happened, I was on my way back from a drive-in movie up in West Valley, Utah, which I cannot believe I went there. That's the scariest part of Utah and no offense to West Valley listeners, but you live in a scary part of town. And Mason called me and said, Hey, call in, uh, he he did a trick on a trampoline and he can't feel his legs and i'm like oh he just landed funny and knocked the wind out of himself it'll come back like was not serious to me at all uh -huh. then mom comes home and is like we're lifelighting calling up to primary children's i'm like oh maybe this is more serious than i thought but even then i i just thought okay he'll get up there and be fine broke his leg or something and then gracie woke me up in the morning like shaking me saying Hey, we got to go to primary children's call and paralyzed. It was like the worst possible way to wake up. And yeah, drove up, went and saw you. You had, is it traction? Yeah. Yeah. And so you had that traction, that thing screwed into your head. You couldn't really talk. Um, 
just really traumatic. I mean, that I think you captured that night and being in the hospital pretty well. I wanted to talk about a little bit like what, as soon as it happened or maybe kind of getting out of the hospital, what were you most worried about after breaking your neck? Like what was the biggest fear like in, in your new life? So my biggest fear, so I broke my neck August, didn't get out until, you know, later in the year and it started to snow, you know, my friends were going skiing. So my biggest fear was, you know, I'm, I'm going to miss out on skiing. I'm going to miss out on sports. Cause I mean, that's, that was my identity to me is I am what I'm good at. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's not a good thing for anyone to have that. I I just, I'm just not good at anything because I don't want to risk my identity being ruined if I all of a sudden I'm not good at something. You're good at jokes, being funny. (laughs) Um, No, so that was my initial thought. And then, and then more serious life thoughts came a little bit, you know, shortly after that, like, will I be able to find a girlfriend? Will someone want to date me? Uh, will I still have my friends because my friends were on the football team? My friends were who I skied with. You know, will I have my friends because I can't go out with them? To touch on that a little bit, after this happened, like the support we received and you received was really amazing. Um, I mean, I feel like with your friends that you had, it just bonded you even closer to them. I, w- I would 100% agree with that. Um, I mean, there were people that were my friends, but I didn't hang out with every day that, you know, I'm not friends with and, you know, being friends with. But yeah, like main main friends and just like my guy friends, Max and Brig, you know them. Um, Yeah, it made that way closer. Sorry, with the girls, you still didn't have any problem with that. You had hookers over what seemed like every day. And yeah, I mean, you did pretty well still. I had, I had really good girlfriends as well. Um, yeah, really, really nice. It, they would tease me and do stuff like give me, I was kissing a girl one time and another friend snuck in and was giving me a wedgie <laughs> while I was kissing this girl. And I had no idea she was giving me a wedgie. Oh, that's, that's called bullying. Colin. No, but then then we laughed at it and it was funny. I would have given um, her a wedgie back just to get even. Oh man, I know you would have. <laughs> no, but yeah, so my friends, they're all really open and there are a lot of things. Well, um, like with my guy friends, not really with my girlfriends, but there are a lot of things that come with being paralyzed other than just not feeling and not moving. Like, uh, you get RBs all the time. You know what that is. <laughs> oh, I do, but I don't know if our audience does. Uh, Why don't you tell us? No, you can tell them. What did you it's say a, that it's called? An RB. Or an NRB. NRB. So NRB, sorry everyone listening, is called a no reason boner. So Colin cannot feel his wiener. And... Uh, <laughs> You would get these NRBs, but apparently they were RBs, so I guess a reason boner around his guy friends, which is confusing me a little bit more. 
No, they just knew about it. The girls didn't. My guy friends were good, and they would say, hey, psst, you know, throw me a pillow or something. <laughs> I, I don't know what's going on. Oh. But, but there's more than just the NRBs. There's, um, like, bladder function and bowel function, like going to the bathroom, which is, which was also, which is the worst thing of being paralyzed is having to stick a tube in your wiener every time you have to go pee. Yeah, so I don't know if people because you're saying these little things that I don't think a lot of people realize there's more to being paralyzed than just you can't walk. And it is, I talked a little bit about it with Ethan. You have to cath yourself every time you have to go pee. Middle of the night, you got to cath yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wake up probably two times in the night because I have to pee. And then to go poop, uh, you know, I use a suppository and I have to sit on the toilet for you know, an hour plus time. And in the beginning, it was a learning curve because you have to train your body to go poo. Like it has a schedule. You're so like eight o'clock every other day. To push. And I mean, do you even know when you have to go? I mean, now you do because you're on your schedule, but can you feel it coming? Um, at the very last second, <laughs> when it's way too late is when I can tell. Oh, man. So at the beginning, yeah, I was worried about that. I didn't want to hang out with my friends because I, you know, I had to wear a diaper for the first, you know, year or so yeah. because I could, I would either pee my pants or poop my pants. It's like you so, go back to being a little kid again when you break your neck I and mean, you have to relearn all of these things. Yeah, so it was hard and just my social life kind of was non-existent for a little bit or just super stressful to me because I didn't want to hang out. I didn't want to branch out, get new friends, meet new people because yeah, I'd either poop my pants or, you know, they would want to hang out at nighttime. And that's when I had my bowel program to go poop and mom had to help me, you know, and I, and I was kind of mean to mom and dad. Like I would lash out at them. Do you want because, to have an opportunity to say, to apologize to your mom who's trying to help you? Yeah. Sorry, mom. Sorry, dad. There you go. And dad. Yeah. I was kind of angry at everyone, but well, yeah. I mean, you're 14 years old and you're already going to be mad at everyone. And then add on top of it, you broke your neck. Now your mom needs to help you go to the bathroom. And yeah, I mean, there's a million reasons why you would be mad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And before I broke my neck, I would say, hey, mom, will you take me to my friend's house? And she would say, no, ask your dad. And I wouldn't even ask him because I knew he was going to say no or just <laughs> say go away or something. I don't know. Um, and so I wouldn't even ask him. I would just start running to my friend's house five miles away, 10 miles away, however, you know, any miles away. I would just start running to my friend's house. You know so that I, house is only like 200 yards away, right? Who's? Noah. So I think you're exaggerating with your 10 miles. Well, there's like Max and Grant and Brig and <laughs> I know. <laughs> but yeah, so I I was starting to get into an independent where I didn't rely on mom or dad. Uh, and now Jody would get frustrated at me because I would get frustrated at her. I'm like, mom, I do this is the last place I want to be, trust me, is you have nothing to go poop. Yeah. I'm sorry at you, but I am mad. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, with friends, I mean, it eventually got better. I got on my schedule, and now I'm completely independent. I go poop by myself, go pee by myself. Yeah, I can cook my, 
food, I can drive. And you have um, your special car, your, your kitchen is retrofitted to be lower so you can do those things. Um, there's like, even, even now, like there's little things I've learned that you're not able to do. Like as a paralyzed person, you can't sweat. So if you're out in the heat, I remember when we were in Africa, like you would overheat instantly because you're not sweating. Yep. You still get yeah, heat. Yeah, I, it still happens to me. Heat is very dangerous to me. I'd probably, I mean, I hate being cold, but you can always put more layers on mm -hmm. to get warm. But yeah, when I get hot, um, it's, I can't sweat and it, my body has a reaction to me not being able to cool itself off. Uh, heat stroke? Well, no, yes, but it's, it's called autonomic dysreflexia and it's paralyzed people have it. It's like basically a security system. So like if I were to break my leg, I wouldn't know it and I wouldn't feel pain, which is a normal human being's response to that, to saying, yeah. I know what's happening to my body. Mm -hmm. So I would either get, you know, I high blood pressure, uh, cold sweats, and I get just agit the smallest thing. Someone breathing would agitate me to high heaven and I'd want to yell at them or punch someone. Oh, so, so that's like, that's your body's response if something is wrong. So you'll still be able to tell if something is wrong. Yes. And it's a very uncomfortable and it's very hard to get away. So like when I have my blood pressure, I feel like I'm going to have a stroke. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that can happen and it's happened to... Um, someone I, I know who was on a cruise ship and got stuck in the sun somehow and they overheated and had a stroke. Um, but yeah, I, it still happens. Heat's super dangerous. Um, I carry around a little squirt bottle with me if I'm like going to go lay out and I'll mist myself. So it basically is me sweating. How cute is that? I know, right? Um, yeah. That's crazy. That's yeah it, hopefully this opens the eyes of a lot of listeners because they think like oh you just can't walk but it's like no it's <laughs> way more deep than just that mm -hmm. um, oh i also have muscle spasms severe muscle spasms and they get worse at nighttime for some reason so i probably wake up every 35 to 45 minutes because of my legs spazzing out i've seen them and um, trying to run away yeah, they'll kick, they'll come up. I've kneed myself in the face before. <laughs> wow, you're flexible. Because my stomach muscles will spaz out too, and it'll sit me up, and then my legs will spaz and come up, you know, towards my chest. Oh, if you're down or something? Mm-hmm. So funny, kneeing yourself in the face. What if you knocked yourself out? Oh, that would be so funny. Well, you must have been on your mission or something. That's a joke, by the way. <laughs> I was like, this happened after my mission, the little one I went on. No, so we were in Florida, and I was in a beach chair. Like, it's a chair, like a PVC pipe kind of chair with big, like, balloon tires so you can push over the sand. Yeah. And it's not supposed to go in the water because it floats, and then it floats and gets unstable and flips over or whatever. Yeah. And Mom's like, oh, it can float. And we're like, no, Jody, it doesn't go in the water. She just is not listening, pushing me down to the water. I'm like, mom, this is going to float and I'm going to tip over. And she's like, no, 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 I'm not going to put you in the water. Sure enough, push me in the water, wave comes, flips me, I fall out sideways, head first into a foot of water. 
you know, hit the sand and then my legs come flying after me and I'm upside down and they come and knee me in the face underwater. <laughs> I'm like, I could have just broken my neck again, mom. And she's like, Oh, whoops. I'm like, oh, yeah, that, that, <laughs> that captures mom perfectly. That's so funny. Uh, she did feel really bad, but. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, talk about uh, some of the social aspect things that changed afterwards. I noticed you had said in the past, like just being in a wheelchair, people treat you differently. I mean, I, I do it too, to, if I see someone in a grocery store in a wheelchair, it's like you act differently around them because you almost want to act like you don't yeah. see them or I, I don't know. It's a, it's a weird thing. So tell me a little bit about like the social differences you notice uh, yeah. being paralyzed. Yeah. So one, everyone stares at you, um, yeah. which isn't a bad case in my situation because I'm very handsome. Well, maybe they're staring because you have an NRB in the grocery store and they're like, whoa, check out this guy. And they like it. Oh my gosh. Sorry, uh, Steph. My mother-in-law, Steph. She's going to get a kick out of this. No, but um, I remember, so when I was actually in the hospital, they would let me like practice going outside, like to help integrate me into the world again, basically. Yeah. And I got to go out. And I was so nervous. I remember I went to Cafe Rio and yeah, everyone just was staring at me and it was uncomfortable. And I knew they were curious. Cause I mean, before I broke my neck, I would do that too. I would stare at someone and be like, okay, what's wrong with him? Does he have legs? Uh, is he, you know, mentally, you know, handicapped? But so yeah, I would go in and people talk to me and say, like talk slow, bend down and say, hi, how are you? And I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, oh, okay. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not. So that's a huge thing that people don't understand. They'll, they'll see me and they think, okay, disabled. They don't realize it's just, you know, physical. I'm all here in my brain. Yeah. Um, so that's a huge thing. And then a lot, it's funny, a lot of wheelchair people, you heal them like, no, I don't want help. Like someone opens the door and they're like, you think I need help? You just think I'm incapable? And I'm like, those type of wheelchair people piss me off because I'm like, I'll take all the help I can get. Yeah. Like, like it is hard. It is hard for me to open the door. If you want to open the door, like, thank you. Yeah. But there are times where people are like, hey, do you need help? And I'm like, no. And <clears throat> because I do just have it, I have a system of how I do things and they'll like force themselves like, no, I need to help you. <laughs> to make them feel better or something. And I'm like, okay, you're just getting in the way and making things harder. Yeah. Uh, but so, I, and the thing is, every person I know who's in a wheelchair is different. For me, people stare. I'm fine with it. Um, but when I, like, if I see you, like, smile at me. Don't look away. Like, you don't see me. Or, like, say hello. You know what I mean? Like, Sav asked me the other day. She goes, because little kids have no filter. They're totally honest you know, they're innocent and yeah. little kids are people who stare the most. Cause they're just so curious. Uh-huh. And it's happened to me everywhere I go. If there's a kid, they stare. Um, and a lot of time moms will be like, don't stare, don't stare at them. Don't stare at them. And that just makes it feel like, Oh, like I'm like, you're not supposed to look at me because I'm something bad. Yeah. It's something wrong. But, so don't look. Yeah. But other moms will say, say hello. And the little kid will say hi. And like, well, what then? 
Yeah, like, <laughs> scare them <laughs> off. No, but it was, it's funny. I was at a store one time and um, a little kid came up to me and was like, hey, can I have a turn on that? <laughs> I, was like, uh, uh, I was like, oh, sorry, bud. This isn't a toy. This is how I, I move around because I can't walk. And, and he was, it was nice because he just asked me, like, he was so curious, like, oh, okay. And I told him straight up, like, no, this isn't a toy. He's like, oh, that's cool. You just get around different. So socially, yeah, going around, people stare. But it's funny because when I see someone in a wheelchair, I stare at them and I try to figure out what's wrong with them. And like mom, she's the worst at this. A wheelchair person will come in and she goes, go say hi to him. Oh my gosh. Like, look, you guys are friends and twins. I'm like, no, we're not. We're two different people with two different personalities. Wow. Like, I don't know if he was in an accident. Like other people will say like, hey, uh, you know, like how, like, why are you in a chair? For asking. And for me, I'm fine with telling him. But with other people, it's like traumatic and they don't like to talk about it, but I'm fine. I like people asking questions because the more awareness I can spread about people in wheelchairs or correct term, I guess, people with disabilities or yeah, or whatever. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm a normal human being and my mind is here. Uh, I can have a conversation with you. Yeah, I can do I can do a lot of things. Like friends wouldn't invite me places sometimes because it's like, oh, we're going somewhere where we don't think he'll be able to get. But it's like if I would go with Max and Brig, you know, they give me a piggyback ride and I can get wherever I need to go. People can help. I can do most things just different. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. You're still a human who can do things. You that I mean that's being paralyzed you live your life, you just do it differently than others. doesn't mean you can't do it. You just do it in a different way. And that's one thing that with you breaking your neck has opened my eyes to like, oh, I didn't notice before, but I am staring at this person in a wheelchair or I am catching myself wondering like what happened to them or ignore them or exactly like you said, you, they're, they're, below, they're physically like lower than you. So you kind of talk down to them like they're a kid and mm -hmm it's good to catch yourself and realize like, Oh, what, what am I doing? Like, would I want someone to talk to me this way if I was in a wheelchair? Mm -hmm. And yeah. I, I kind of wanted to wrap it up on like the, the better part of your life after you met your wife, because Colin's been married for a year and a half now to Sav, who is just a 10 out of 10 on every category on every level it like i want to i want to be able to talk about sab with, without getting emotional but she's been like you know, just amazing and an answer to prayers and an angel and she's beautiful she's kind she's thoughtful so why don't you tell everyone about meeting your wife because you you had mentioned one of your worries was you know, sorry, not finding like a girlfriend or a wife and you've just like excelled in that category and found such an amazing woman. So why don't you talk about Sav a little bit and how, how much she does for you and how amazing she is. Yeah. So Sav is my wife. She is amazing. And like you said, she is a 10 out of 10 on every level, which is very, very true. 
Heck, she was probably a 12 out of 10 on her looks. Um, <laughs> but no, she is a sweetheart. She is an angel. Um, I met her, uh, yeah, a year and a half ago. She is from Arizona. I live in Utah. Um, I met her more than a year and a half ago because you've been married a year and a half. I met her, oh gosh, we've been, wow, it's been three and a half years. Uh, but um, yeah, so she was from Arizona and she came here for school. Um, and that's kind of how I met her. My cousin, Sam, our cousin, Sam, uh, he had just got back from his mission. He was living over on BYU campus and he got locked out of his uh, apartment um, and didn't have his car keys or anything. And so he called me and asked if I could come pick him up. So Koi and I actually went and picked him up. It was like 1230. I, I mean, I must be an old soul, but people hang out that late start hanging out that late it's not amazing but so we go pick him up and he goes hey there's you know these girls uh that uh i want to go hang out with so we coin i just said yeah okay so we drove over to the village which is you know a student housing complex in on BYU campus and that's where sab lived and she came out with her roommates and sab straight up ignored me I was sitting in the, I was sitting in a car, so she didn't even. No one knew I was actually in a wheelchair because I was just sitting in the car. And I, if I'm not in my chair, I look normal. Yeah, kind of. Um, but yeah, so she was just sitting up front and totally ignored me. And I, she looked at me, and said hi, and she didn't say anything and looked away. <laughs> now she just says it's because I didn't hear you. I'm like, uh, okay. But <laughs> so we met them that way, and then hung out with them the next day, and. Uh, I, I mean, she has a light about her. I don't know if you can tell, but just her, her countenance, the way she holds herself, just her, she glows of sweetness. Yeah. I was immediately drawn to her. Um, and then, yeah, we just started hanging out and it was almost like we were immediately dating, but we weren't. Yeah. Um, and then I, one night we hung out and we stayed up super late and talked real stuff about our goals and everything. And we'd been hanging out like and kissing and, and, and whatever. So I just, (laughs) I knew you were going to say that just (laughs) hanging out, going out to dinner. um, (laughs) I said, uh, like, are we, you know, are we dating? (laughs) Like, are you my girlfriend? And she says, no, you haven't asked me on an official date yet. So, okay, well, you go on a date with me. So we went out to dinner and then we started dating and the rest yeah. is history. Yeah, the rest is history. But as far as like her and because that all kind of happened normally, like the chair wasn't even a conversation at first, didn't get brought up. Like she didn't even see it really. Yeah. But then obviously, you know, as we're dating and knowing each other better, like it, she has to ask about it because it's becoming a part of her life and how to deal with me and how to act and Definitely. approach me. So, you know, we obviously brought it up and she, yeah, just said like, no, you're you. I like you. I can have a good conversation with you that I like most people can't have good conversations. I can have a good conversation with you. I like you. I'm drawn to you. And she felt the same, like, Oh, I was just drawn to you for some reason. But then when we started talking about marriage, um, I just told her like, you, this won't make 
you any less of a human being if you're not willing to, you know, deal with my baggage for the rest of your life. Like I completely understand. Um, because you, you will have to deal with it and it will be hard and it will be different. She's yeah. super adventurous and I'm, you know, I try to make her feel better. Like, yeah, yeah. You know what? I, you know, if we go on a family vacation, you can go explore with my brothers. I want, cause you guys are all adventurous. I want her to explore. I tell her this and she goes, well, she's different. Cause I want to experience these things with the people I love. And I'm like, I will live through you. Like, is this something you're willing to do? And she just, I mean, with our religion and what we believe, she just said like, this lifetime is so short. She's like, I love you on this earth. I'm willing to deal with the things that are hard because I'll be able to be with you for a lifetime when your body is perfect. Yeah. And to me, I was like, that's all I could ever ask for. She was super understanding. Um, and it is hard. Like, obviously, we want to do things, but we can't and we just get through it. And she's so strong and helps me you know, feel okay. Cause I, I, I have a hard time and say like, I feel like I'm holding you back mm-hmm. and she'll feel better about myself and, and whatnot. But yeah, she's super sweet. And it was, I, I did have a conversation. I like, cause I know other wheelchair guys who dated girls and then when it starts to get serious, they're like, you know what, this just isn't what I want. Like, I want to know for sure if I'll be able to have kids. I want to be able to do whatever I want to do. Yeah. yeah. Tough conversation that you have to have because like you said, it's not going away. <laughs> yeah, it's not going away. Problems when you get married and you got to know what you're getting into. I think that's such a healthy conversation that everyone should have, not just paralyzed people, but everyone should have before they get married. And it yeah. was a kind of a blessing because it did force us to talk about our life goals and what we do want out of a marriage. You know, yeah. do we want to have kids? Do you want to have kids? Some people get married and they're like, I don't want to have kids. They're like, wait, I thought you did. <clears throat> yeah. But yeah, so communication. Uh, yeah, it forced us to communicate what we want. And um, yeah, she was willing to get married to me. She's a sweetheart. She is amazing. The only thing <clears throat> about Sav that uh, doesn't bug me, I won't say that, but every time I try to beat you up or tip you over or something like that or tease you, she comes out of nowhere and beats the crap out of me. No, Sav's strong. She's so strong. She'll throw me off a freaking side of a boat into the ocean as it's moving. She's so strong and such a good protector. I love that about her. Actually, it doesn't bug me at all. I think it's so funny because she's so soft-spoken. And then as soon as I tease you, it's like, boom, roundhouse kick. No, she reminds me a lot of you. Well, you're kind of weak and have a very low pain tolerance. And she has really high pain tolerance. But (laughs) she... um, She's not just strong physically. You are the wittiest brother and you just like to wreck people with your words. Mm-hmm. And it's joking and it's fun, but Sav will give it right back to you. And she is so quick-witted with her words in her mind. It's, it's awesome. Oh, she's savage. Yeah, she's savage. Dang, let's talk about something funny and fun because this podcast was too serious. Oh, well, I can talk about the disgusting parts of you if you want. Uh, that's not funny or fun. Yeah, like how I'm in, I get in Colin's truck to drive it, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Did something die in here? It is so stinky. And I find, like, after driving for 20 minutes, I'm like, this is bullcrap. I get out and looking for it. Sure enough, under the passenger seat is, like, 
three urinals full of his urine that have been there for years. Just years. Oh, it's good. I, I like was about to throw up and I'm about to throw up just thinking about it. You know, funny story though, you and Brayden said how you like to go skip class and go sit in your car in a parking lot. I would also do the same thing because I had bad examples as brothers. <laughs> but my friends and I would go sit in the car and I was just sitting in the car by myself and I had peace so bad. Mm-hmm. So I just pulled my pants down in my car because like you cast in my car. Yeah. And I start peeing and sure enough, the principal and like a bunch of counselors start coming out. <laughs> because they're like going to lunch or something and I'm sitting there like with my pants down peeing into a bottle and they're coming up to my car because like they're not gonna think hey this guy's in his car with his pants down <laughs> and they're coming up and I'm like they're like telling me to roll down my window I'm like oh crap 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 I can't just stop peeing because I have I have a catheter they come up and I just say like I roll down my window I go stop <laughs> and they just stop and I'm like like oh how you doing and I'm like good just being they're like oh sorry and walk away but i I was like oh my gosh hey that's amazing because i had a very similar story i was sitting in my car with my pants down and the principal stops walking up i roll my window down i'm like stop and he did not stop and he continued to come towards me i'm like well you're gonna see me with my pants down i'm glad it worked out for you yeah i know oh another funny story same thing happened when we were on a family vacation where were we anyway we were on a family vacation and we were in a van being you know shuttled somewhere and you guys got out and were looking at some church some temple or whatever and sav stayed in the car with me to help me go pee and the car like service guy that was driving us around was standing by the side of the van and gary comes over to thinking he's getting me out and i have my pants down and i'm peeing with sav and the car service guy opens the door and says, like, are you ready to come out and I, I, my pants are down. I'm peeing. And I just look at him and pretend like nothing is happening. I'm not peeing. And he just looks me, looks down, looks me in the eyes and just has, is like, are you ready? I'm like, no. He's like, okay, I'll give you a few more minutes. And just, but he saw I was peeing and we didn't address, address it at all. And I'm like, dad, oh my nothing to see here, guys. Just got my pants down. You have a lot of these stories. It's really interesting. Yeah. I know. Sorry, this was kind of serious, KPG. I wanted to, I want, I thought it'd be healthy for people who don't know you to hear your side of the story and people who do know you, but never got to hear it, uh, express it. So, I mean, I'm proud of you. You did a very good job. Thanks. Love you. You're a good brother. And Hey, I will tell everyone, Devin might seem kind of like he is heartless, but he is very sensitive and he's, probably my most sensitive loving brother not true i don't have a heart nobody ask you're a sweetheart colin yeah you're so kind i can't wait to see you in mexico and tip you over okay well i love you let's wrap this up i'll uh i'll let you go and make your salmon everyone listening stay tuned for next week and uh i'll see you guys then